Requiem of the Outcast for March 2005. Sing it for me. Yeah. Oh, time bubble away, Daddy. Episode 18, another episode. It is a period of unrest. The Roto team has won two awards in the Fan Audio Academy Awards, but were snubbed for four others. During the recording of the awards show, Janine made her standard fare of mean comments towards the Academy mirrored in the hearts of her co-hosts by around 5%. Realizing that we had many things that we still needed to talk about, but not having the energy to record a whole regular episode, we proceeded to sit down and record about 10 minutes. And a young Jonathan Siegfried performed the vocals to this song when he was a mere two years old. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the 18th episode of Requiem of the Outcast. Matter of fact, I've got a little, little music for us because it's the 18th episode. It's not playing. There it is. That's right, we're 18. It's Outcast Gone Wild. Woo! Yeah, Rod, put your shirt back down. That, yeah. That's right, Requiem of the Outcast is legally able to participate in a Girls Gone Wild video now. Yeah. Which we never will. <laughs> no, we are here. We have just gotten what, done. You don't think I have good breasts? Well, you do have a nice rack, Ron, but. Thank you. Quit I, looking at my husband's rack. I'm sorry, Andrew. Mm-hmm. Oh. Hey! Uh, <laughs> no, we are doing a very short episode uh, right now because. We're out of film. We well, well, we've actually just put in about almost an hour, 45 minutes or so uh, into the Fan Audio Awards, which, hey, hey, we actually won something. And since we're testing a new audio setup, I want to we play another robbed. music. Listen, we've got. We are the winners! We have coordination music! We have won the best interview! Yes, thank you! Okay, I need to sing. That's only because the guys we interviewed were so awesome. Yeah, and you sang. That's it. It's true. <laughs> so it makes a lot of win anything. <laughs> well, we, since this is going to be a short one, we are just going to jump right into the stuff that we do need to talk about. First of all, Janine, I don't know if you knew about this, but Enterprise has been canceled. Yeah, I knew. Okay. But since I don't have TV in my house, I don't really care. Well, I figured the Trekkie and you would be a little bit oh, more Oh, shut your face. Shut your However, however, there is, there is a big movement now to, to, get, to save Enterprise. You know that, right? Just like there was with Misty? There is there's a there's a big movement now. They're they're trying to this fan based organization is trying to get raise enough signatures that they can get uh they can get the sci fi channel to take on Enterprise. You know it might work better if they left their mother's basements to do it. Well, no, there are, there are a lot of guys that really like the show. SaveEnterprise.com, I believe, is the website. But the problem is what they're trying to do is they're trying to raise up enough money to do to basically do a fan funded series. Problem is, I'm pretty sure Paramount's not going to be giving up the rights to do that. So I, I don't think that's going to happen. And if UPN, which is Paramount, yeah, doesn't even want to keep Enterprise, <laughs> why would sci-fi? 
And even if sci-fi had it, they would just ruin it since the only thing that they can do right is uh, Stargate. So, because Lord knows they've jacked up Battlestar Galactica. Although it is a good show, they've just jacked up the original. Uh, I want a Cylon. I want I want one of those blonde Cylons too, man. They're kind of hot. Yeah. You've got some problems, my friend. Well, yeah. It's it's just kind of weird, like when you're you know doing your business, and their back starts glowing. Although it'd be kind of cool in the dark, the mood lighting. Okay, what's next? <laughs> All right, hold on. There's there's a bunch of stuff actually you guys don't know about yet. So oh, talk. What what I'm gonna say is that uh, we have uh, via the show we've got of course new forums that are available. Uh, you can go to recommendtheoutcast.com/forums. And or, I have a band stick. And Janine has a band stick, and she's not afraid to use it. We also have um, a couple feeds, which are uh, we have a news feed as well as a podcast feed. So these are new ways to get your Recommend the Outcast content each month. And for those people who subscribe to the podcast, you will be able to get extra content that uh, we'll do on the side and release. Um, and you can find out more information about that at RecommendTheOutcast.com. It tells you all about how to get a podcatching client as well as a newsreader, all of that jazz. You do not need an iPod for it. That is a common misconception, but more information on that later on. Also, we have a show blog, uh, something that I'm going to be doing that covers all of the Outcast multimedia projects, everything from the videos that we do to the show. Um, I'll be keeping it as updated as possible. Basically, any progress or anything that I do on something, I'll be posting about it there, so you'll be able to keep up to date on everything that we do. Also, we have a telephone number that you can call and leave us messages, and as long as you do it nice and clear, it will be used on the show. And that number is eight six seven five three zero nine. No, it's not. It the number is two zero six three 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 one one three eight. And nobody else can have that number because we got it. <laughs> uh, number again is two zero six three 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 one one three eight. But yes, but all the Lucas fans do. One one three eight. THX. THX. Yeah. Ah, see, he knew. He knew. He's loopy. He took some medication. You're drugged right now, aren't He's you? He's on biking. Yeah, anyway. I'm floating. It's nice. <laughs> All right. All the, our final uh, bits of information that we want to pass on, we are going to be at C3, where so far we have interviews lined up with Tom Hodges, uh, Star Wars uh, artist. Awesome guy. I'm really looking forward to that. We also have uh, Great Lukeski. Lukeski, he's my friend. And also my goal is to get up with the guy who does the one-man Star Wars uh, show. He also does the one-man Lord of the Rings show. I have to contact him. I'm really hoping to get to talk to him. Also, coming up uh, this in less than a month is StellarCon, where we have a few interviews lined up. Is that true? With Jenny Wirtz. Uh, she's not Star Wars, but she has done some awesome fantasy, and she also does a lot of cover art for fantasy books and stuff like that. And also Elaine Cunningham, who has written uh, one Star Wars book uh, from uh, the uh, NJO. Yes, thank you. <laughs> New Jedi Order. Brain's not working. And she's written a lot of stuff for Forgotten Realms. All right. We also have an interview lined up with T. Morris, who is a gentleman who writes. Uh, he, he's a novel writer, fantasy, swashbuckling, uh, sci-fi stuff. But the important thing that he's doing is he is converting his books to audio dramas that he's releasing via his website, via his own podcast. So he's the one that kind of turned me on to podcasting, which is just another way to release uh, your audio 
uh, projects. You can visit him at tmorris.com. We'll be coming. Uh, he's also going to be at Con Carolinas. If everything goes well, he'll probably be on some of our audio panels because of his audio experience. You know what else we should do? And, and, and I know we don't have it planned, but what else we should do is we should have another little roundtable with uh, with our friends uh, Davey and Sean. And you know, Davey is going to be at StellarCon as well as Con Carolinas, and Sean is going to be at Con Carolinas. So maybe amongst the 500 other things that we're doing at Con Carolinas, we can set that up. Well, I, I think, I, you know, there's just nothing quite as funny as when you sit around at a table with Davey and Sean and get the two of them just outrageously drunk and listen to them talk. <laughs> uh, you just say that because you're on Vicodin right now. See? Oh, no, 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 no. It's no, fun. It's fun. It's fun. <laughs> <laughs> um, of course, we've also got a video episode that's going to be coming out of Con Carolinas, hopefully. Our, our Does very that first mean I actually television. have to do my hair? You don't have to be on it if you don't want to. Mm, just don't but show I, my I, face. I, I don't think... Well, that's fine. That's not what most people are interested in anyway. <laughs> All right. And finally... The progress on the $20 Film Festival, we're still looking for submissions. People better give them out because, you know what, otherwise uh, uh, Davey, or not Davey, but Earl and I are going to be populating the whole damn thing. So remember, it doesn't take much. It just takes you to make a movie. It doesn't have to be good. It doesn't have to be Star Wars. It just has to get done and be mildly entertaining, and it costs less than $20. Of course, you can find more information about that on requiemoftheoutcast.com. Yeah. Raren, is anything you want to add, Janine? Uh, I'm really tired right now. All right. Well, it is awful early in the morning. We were up late last night working on stuff for StellarCon anyway. So, uh, everybody, we hope you enjoyed the awards show. Also, coming up next month. We're doing the 2005 Outcast. Fan Audio Awards, in which the categories, for example, will be something like um, Best Female Co-Host of a Star Wars Internet Radio Show Involving Three Co-Hosts, <laughs> um, or Best Impersonation of Sir Mix-a-Lot, or Best Impersonation of the Ladies' Man, and Best Impersonation of Lando Calrissian. You get my gist. <laughs> There'll be uh, th- This will be... Uh, the MTV Movie Awards to Nathan's Oscar snooty boring. Yeah, and awards. we're gonna make the decisions because it's our awards show, and That's that way right. we can save a whole lot of money, so we don't have to pay <laughs> off any Academy members. That's right. We're we're tired of having to compete with 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 Nathan Butler uh, when when the people voting are his mother and father. <laughs> All right, everybody, look for that coming up uh, next month. You are listening to Requiem of the Outcast. For more information and show notes, visit requiemoftheoutcast.com. All right, folks, and in the last bit of news, uh, actor Sean O'Rourke, of course, a uh, friend of the show, actor Selenius Keegan of the Star Wars fan film Sins of the Jedi, which was, of course, the first fan creators that we ever interviewed, um, will be on an upcoming episode of the hit WB network show, One Tree Hill. Uh, the episode is entitled The Lonesome Road and is scheduled to air Tuesday, March 8th at 9 p.m. Sean actually is a really good actor for a lot of people who don't know it. He has done some work on the big screen, little screen, medium screen, um, as well as the occasional hentai. And now for the moment you've been waiting for. I particularly wanted to play this clip as it deals with fandom and getting nervous when meeting celebrities. Of course, we're about to enter into convention season, con season as we like to call it, 
and we're hoping to get quite a few interviews um, with celebrities as well as uh, all the normal con-goers and friends of the show. This particularly touched me because this was everything that I went through. I remember hanging around uh, Gil Gerard's table uh, for probably about two hours before I got up the nerve to go talk to him. And then he proceeded to berate me for about 20 minutes when I mispronounced his name. Now, don't get me wrong. He's a great guy. But whatever you do, pronounce his name right. Unfortunately, that interview disappeared as well as my interviews with Ken Colley, uh, Nalina Kishern, Kishin, I couldn't, couldn't pronounce her name when I met her, uh, Aaron Gray, and Richard Hatch. But uh, the only surviving interview from IQM2, of course, was the Richard Lepomontier interview, which was in the first episode, with the full interview uh, being available as an extra MP3. However... Uh, most of these feelings I still come across whenever I go to interview anybody, and we've interviewed a hell of a lot of people, uh, great celebrities as well as normal people alike. But I felt that with uh, convention season coming up, a lot of you are going to be going to said conventions, and you're going to get a chance to meet some of these people that you've either idolized or rather enjoyed their characters that they created, uh, whether it be Star Wars or any other franchise. So anyway, I want you to listen to uh, Murr deliver her wisdom, and uh, don't forget to go to her website, geekfooactiongrip.com. Greetings, and welcome to Geek Foo Action Grip. I'm your host, Mer Lafferty, coming to you from Durham, North Carolina. Today is Saturday, February 26th. So today's podcast is about fandom, because I am a slavering, drooling fan of quite several people. But I do want to bring up the fact that one thing I am a fan of which is the Dragon Page uh, radio show and podcast, uh, needs some help. And so we need to mobilize some fans. Apparently the Dragon Page Live Fire, which is a two-hour call-in show on uh, KFYI, as they call it over there, just canceled the Live Fire show, apparently because it was too popular. They were on an AM political radio station and apparently were getting so popular that they were making the other programs on there look bad. So, in perfect uh, corporate logic, they decided to get rid of the Dragon Page. Um, they still have the Dragon Page cover to cover, which is their interview show with famous peoples, and they're still doing their podcast, which makes me happy because I'm still contributing to the podcast, and I'm also a fan of the other stuff as well. But um, So what we're trying to do is trying to get people to write in to a variety of radio stations to keep the Dragon Page alive, um, move the live show to other places, either another AM station in Arizona, which you know, you'll be able to listen to over podcast, or hopefully satellite radio. So if you can go to thedragonpage.com, actually that's www.dragonpage.com, and click on the blogging link, you can find out about where you write to and uh, what you can do about that. All of the information is also on my blog at geekfooactiongrip.com. It's an excellent show, and we really should keep it alive. It's, it's not something they can just do in podcast form because it's a call-in show, and even if you know, you're in Australia and you can't call in, still it's fun to listen. So I am, I am huge fans of the Dragon Page guys, and have enjoyed all of their shows and the one time I did talk to them on the phone about me contributing to their podcast I was completely gibbering and um, 
beside myself with glee. Uh, I'd just gotten my daughter up from a nap. I had just gotten off World of Warcraft, and I was trying to shut down my gay tailor rogue one hand and having my daughter in the other hand and then the phone rings and it's Evo from the Dragon Page so there was a lot of getting a snack together turning on Dora the Explorer and trying to get some moments to calm myself in order to talk to them and that was really kind of silly because they're just guys they're, they're not gods so to segue into the essay I wrote this a couple of years ago about how I do react around famous types and why I just can't be myself and I call it Confessions of a Fan. Fan. It's short for fanatic, or one who is obsessive about something or someone. When we start to dissect the word, it doesn't really sound like something we'd want to be. But many of us are fans, whether it be the Entertainment Weekly reading fans desperate for news on who Russell Crowe is boinking this week, and why, oh why, isn't it me, they think, or the people who dress as Klingons at conventions. We are fans of actors, bands, writers, and even politicians. Buffy creator Joss Whedon and Babylon 5 creator J. Michael Straczynski have both been called God by their fans. Garth Brooks has been mailed pubic hairs by fans, and everyone knows members of rock bands find it incredibly easy to get laid by their fans. I am a fan. I haven't mailed pubes or slept with anyone famous, mind you, but I do get rather giggly and dry-mouthed when placed in a position of associating with an idol on a personal level. They are more than human to me, and I have no idea how to interact with these demigod figures that are so much higher than me on the social scale of importance. A little while ago it struck me. Why are these people so amazing to me? Logic assumes that they are human, just like me. They put their pants on the same way, they've had their heart broken and felt like a fool, gotten a speeding ticket, and perhaps have even been constipated at some point in their life. If I can strike up a conversation with a stranger while waiting in line, what is so magical about these idols that makes me so frightened of them, and yet makes me worship them? I decided to do some research. I started with a friend whose stepmother is a well-known mystery author. She has accompanied her stepmother to readings and appearances, and she tells me that she honestly can't figure out why these weird people stalk her stepmother. My stepmother pointed me out during one of her talks, she told me, and this woman came up to me and asked me if there was a way she could go to lunch with us after the reading because she really wanted to hang out with my stepmother. Why would she do that? She didn't even know us, and we certainly didn't know her. It was kind of creepy. I understood the fan's point of view immediately. It has nothing to do with whether you know the famous person or not. If you get the chance to get close to an idol, you grab it, even if you then don't know what to do with the chance. Two years ago, my husband and I bought plane tickets to New York City paid a good sum of money to charity just to attend a reception with author Neil Gaiman. We hung out in a dark bar full of Sandman fans, munching on sushi and wondering when Gaiman would show up. After about an hour of not talking to anyone but each other, Gaiman's handler and the man himself wandered by. The handler noticed us standing around looking nervous and asked if we wanted to meet Gaiman. I managed to nod, but the spit dried up, and I fought the urge to giggle. We shook hands with him, he thanked us for our contributions to charity, and mentioned that we were mad to have flown all the way there from North Carolina just to see him read from his new book. And then he walked away. I couldn't say a word. About forty-five minutes later I remembered that I had a camera in my bag. I've met Gaiman a couple of other times at science fiction conventions, so I'm able to notice this phenomenon is not a one-time thing with me. Why do I freeze? Why do I assume that this man is so much better than I, worthy of nervous adoration instead of a normal person-to-person -person interaction? Why can't I think of anything intelligent to say? I really enjoy your work. Well, that's obvious, else I wouldn't be at the convention or reading or event. How about, I'm your biggest fan? 
even worse, now we're getting into Stephen King's misery. So I say nothing, being preferred to be viewed as mysterious and shy rather than just like all the other fans. I wonder if my freezing up status is actually a clever manipulation to get more attention. Evan Dorkin, of Dork, Milk and Cheese, and Space Ghost Coast to Coast fame, of who I am also a fan, once drew a comic depicting, depicting himself at a rock concert. He was standing at the back, developing a rather big crush on a drummer of a band. Look at all these people cheering for her and calling her by her first name, he thinks. She's got to know that they're all just stupid fans, and she's bound to notice me quietly worshipping her back here, really appreciating her music. I was embarrassed by how astutely that described me at rock concerts. Fans have such odd behaviors that we sometimes fascinate our idols. At a Dragon Con a couple of years ago, the late Richard Biggs, Dr. Franklin from Babylon 5, described his observation of different fans. As he had been a regular on a soap opera, Days of Our Lives, and a science fiction show, he has seen two distinct sides of the obsessive culture. Soap fans, he says, will come up to him at lunch, sit down, touch him, tell him how much they love his character, and even ask for a lock of his hair or something else physical to keep as a memento. Sci-fi fans will walk by him at the same lunch table, lean over him, say, Good work on B5, and keep walking. Again, I was abashed by the observation. When you're shy, you don't think people notice, and if they do notice, they're not supposed to figure you out so easily. After much contemplation and observation, mostly of myself, I figured it out. When I read their fiction or listen to their albums or watch their movies, their work moves me in some way. The words that come out, the tunes, the thoughts, the epic works... All of it means something to me. The work leaves a mark on my life. Some marks last for years. The first They Might Be Giant song I ever listened to when I was in high school in 1989 was the same song my husband and I danced to at our wedding in 1998. These people give me so much, and yet I find myself asking, what do I want from these people that they're not giving me through their work? And the answer is easy. I want the golden goose, not just the egg. I found fandom to be a little like falling in love. You meet someone, they're nice to look at, and they're fun to be with. There's something inside their being that touches you, moves you, and you want more of it. The biggest thing you want, however, is for them to love you too. Something that wonderful, loving you, would be a dream come true. When a writer or musician or actor puts their work out there, they show us something that comes from inside them. And if it touches us, we want to be able to touch them too. We dream about meeting them on a person-to-person -person level and impressing them, making friends. Since they impress us so much with their work, we want them to be impressed with what we can do. Out of shame, I won't tell you about my fantasies concerning saving this or that celebrity from certain death with my leet kung fu skills. Oh, I just did. Of course, the chances of meeting them and impressing them for real is infinitesimal, so we do the next best thing. Cheer them on at concerts, go to movies, attend conventions, and stand in long autograph lines for ten seconds of, I love your work and my name is spelled M-U-R before we're moved on by unsmiling handlers to let the next person behind us say the exact same thing. Except for the M-U-R part. That would be weird. A friend pointed out to me that love is also about understanding someone. When the idol writes a novel or a song or acts a part in a movie that speaks to you, you may feel that the person is a kindred spirit. They really understand you better than your parents do, better than most of your friends. You are sure that you could be great friends. This is where it goes a tad bit overboard. I can understand how it can be creepy for the famous person. When I was a freshman in college, my mother tried to set me up with a guy who was a grad student. She told him many things about me, while telling me almost nothing about him except that he was smart. When I met him, he knew several things about me personally, and I felt he had the advantage. I got uneasy as the night went on, and I started to feel naked and vulnerable. 
Everything I tried to tell him about myself he'd already heard, and had decided we could be friends without me getting the chance to decide it on my own. Considering how much personal information goes out about these stars, I mean, Jesus, you may love or hate Britney Spears, but can you really imagine the entire world debating your virginity claims? And how desperate their fans are to think they know them personally. I can see a correlation. You are the famous person. You meet someone on the street who knows your name, your birth date, your spouse's name, and they're probably pissed off at the fact that there is a spouse in the first place, and who wants you to take them to lunch, because you're the famous person with the bankroll and they work at Kinko's. That's fucking creepy. I've used that word a lot. Creepy. It seems to be the other side of fandom, the obsessive knowledge that if the object of your affection would just get to know you, he would be as entranced by you as you are by him, and you would live happily ever after. Suddenly, without even meaning to, you've crossed over into severe stalker territory. Some fans still think like six-year-olds. Any attention, good or bad, from your idol is a positive thing. So with that in mind, I rein in my adoration to a respectful distance. I have the feeling that I'd rather my idol not know I'm alive and live happily rather than know me and think I'm a freak, or even worse, fear me. You don't have to see it, I can see it in your eyes And I know that the restraining order wasn't meant to fear And just for your information, if you should get this letter Use a reminder, I'm your boyfriend That was a clip from the song uh, I'm Your Boyfriend Now by They Might Be Giants, which is available for download. And I don't know if that's entirely legal because it was available for free download. However, I did not use very much of the song, and I believe I'm allowed up to 60 seconds. But that's also a song about stalking your idols, and uh, it's a favorite of mine. If you'd like to drop us a line, visit us on the web at requiemoftheoutcast.com or visit our boards at galacticsenate.com. Now, back to the show. Go check out RecordMeTheOutcast.com. There's lots of stuff happening. Of course, you can visit our forums uh, to communicate with us, to contact us. You can visit our website, our forums. We've got email addresses. We've got the new telephone number, 206-333-1138. And uh, that's pretty much all I got. See ya. Yeah. <laughs> I'm really tired. <laughs> Bye, guys. That's the end. Stop the program. Stop it. Hi, this is Rich. I hope you enjoyed the show. All of our archives are available on our website, Requiem of the Outcast, as well as additional content via our podcast, forums, show blog, and many other channels in the Outcast Media Network. Thanks again for listening. If you have any comments, questions, or feedback, email me at rich at requiemoftheoutcast.com or give us a call at 206-333-1138.